Well, this is our 12th episode, which means we've been running ARR Raw for a year. That's a long time. That's really cool. And before we get started on this episode, I just wanted to, to give a shout out to some people who have donated. Now, we really appreciate all the donations that we get. If you've donated anything, we really appreciate it. But anything $50 or more, what we're starting to do now is we're going to give a personal shout out to you on ARR Raw when we do it each month. So I've got three names in front of me here. I've got Jeff Budka, and I hope I have that right, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Bruce Bigano, again, I hope I have that last name right, Bruce. Appreciate it. And Craig Ripley, all of you, thank you very much. They've all given over $50 donations to the show. And thank you. If, if you want to give a, a donation to the show, you don't have to give $50. We'll, we'll accept anything, of course. Anything helps, for sure. Anything $10 or more gets you stickers sent back at you. And, of course, anything $50 or over is going to get you a, a shout-out on the show, and it, it means a, a great deal to both uh, Elizabeth and myself here at Adventure Rider Radio. So, well, we'll get into it now and get the group in here and do ARR Raw for December, our 12th episode and uh, the last episode for 2016. From the Canoe West Media Studio on the shores of Vancouver Island, British Columbia, it's December 2016, and welcome to Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Roundtable discussions about motorcycles, travel, and anything else that crosses our mind, completely unscripted, raw, and personal. I'm Jim Martin, and today at the Virtual Roundtable, we have our five regular co-hosts, Shirley Hardy Ricks, Brian Ricks, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, everyone. Now, despite some messing around with the connection, you finally got connected. What is happening in your part of the world this morning? Well, it's a bit overcast today after 36 degrees and fire bans yesterday. Welcome to Melbourne. The weather has changed in 12 hours from beautiful summer back to um, autumn, I guess. Very strange place. Wow. Does that mean riding is out now? Oh, no. I knew no, I, 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 I wish I You're just said that ahead of time, you know. in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding, Jim. <laughs> we also have Grant Johnson. Good afternoon, Grant. Hello, Jim, and everybody else. Good to be back. We were finally back from South Africa, which was good fun. Uh, but the weather here is not quite as nice. It was lovely, beautiful, perfect riding weather there. And we've got 10 inches of snow and the driveway's frozen solid. Not good. Not enjoying that at all. Some people would argue and say that's really nice. Ten inches of snow, it's Christmas time. That's fantastic. There are times and places for snow, but when you want to actually get out and go somewhere, it's not the right place. It's supposed to, in, in this part of the world, it's supposed to melt immediately. It snows, it's beautiful, it's lovely, and then it melts the next day and rains. But we've been having a nice cold snap here, and it's frozen solid. I've actually got a tree that's frozen into the ground. Which is odd for your part of the world, but not for most of the the northern hemisphere. I mean, we're the same up here. I'm just up from you, uh, up Vancouver Island, and yes, we've got some snow as well. And, and I absolutely love it. It's it's just gorgeous. It's fantastic, and I'm hoping it sticks around. Hope we get more. Okay, you you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> we also have Sam Manicom. Yeah, back in um, in sunny England, although it's not sunny now because it's um, well, quarter past nine at night. But it's a lovely 10 degrees Celsius. It's a beautiful evening. There's a full moon out there. And yeah, it's just perfect. So where you guys are battling with heat and snow, let me just rub it in and tell you that it's lovely here. 
Yeah, but can you see the full moon or is it obscured by clouds? No, no, no. This is England. We never have cloud in England. (laughs) (laughs) And as well, because he woke up, we also have Graham Field in Bulgaria. Graham? (laughs) Damn it. He's gone. (laughs) Good evening. (laughs) And you're also dealing with some snow there. I was, I was all day, yeah. It's uh, sparkling outside underneath the full moon. It's minus eight degrees and uh, it's nice to be in by the fire and, and wide awake. <laughs> and it's sort of lucky that you're in by the fire because you went driving. What were you doing? You're taking a friend to the hospital or something? Oh, yeah, it was uh, actually, I, I, I don't really go very far anymore. It's this little triangle of three towns and I went to a fourth one today and I, I don't want to get... <laughs> really boring and domestic, but I found a really cool DIY shop. <laughs> <laughs> you international traveller, you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was, um, oh, it was horrendous drive. Jackknife trucks and roadblocks and, uh, and bloody Bulgarians. It's such, I mean, they're experienced at driving in snow, but they're still so blasé about it. And there was a particularly nasty bit. And there, I mean, there's, the roads are totally snowy. There's no, there's no sort of tracks or it's not been cleaned or anything. And come around a corner and there's a guy coming the other way in his car and on his steering wheel is balanced his phone so he can video the accident that he's inevitably going to have pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here on Quadra Island in British Columbia, Canada, we also got snow, same as Grant Johnson down by Vancouver, the other side of Vancouver. Um, but uh, we got 10, 12 inches or something like that. And for here, well, the roads department, that's that's something I won't even get into here. The, I always say we don't have any roads department here because it seems like they do nothing. There could be holes here in the road that are big enough to swallow your entire motorcycle and uh, they don't get filled for months even. But So the roads, they didn't bother to plow them. We just, everybody's just driving through all the snow and, and a lot of people don't have snow tires because, you know, it's the coast, right? You know, there's no reason to have snow tires here for most of the, the, the winter. So people are sliding all over. There's vehicles parked on the road. There's vehicles stuck on the road. It, quite the scene. Like I said, it was absolutely beautiful. Love it. Jim, I posted on my Facebook page um, a few days back a picture of a Canadian train going through the snow. And what an awesome sight it is as this thing's just hammering through and the snow flying all over the place. It's beautiful to watch. Yeah, that's a good video. That's been around for a while. It's it's pretty impressive. Yep. They don't go slow either. They're moving. Uh-huh. Well, you guys Can may I not- change the subject drastically? From snow? Yeah, no. Oh, thanks, Grant. Um, Just talking about Sam's Facebook page. Sam, I read this morning the post about the two Italian riders in Brazil. Has that been confirmed that one of them was shot at? Oh, you have to fill us in. What is this? Um, A friend of mine whose wife is uh, Brazilian and is in Brazil at the moment, he's about to fly out and join her, contacted me um, a day or so ago and said that... um, two Italian overlanders on motorcycles had been using their GPS to go through Rio and their GPSs were set, we're gathering on shortest distance and it took them into a favela. 
these guys were both wearing fluorescent waistcoats and um, it's guessed that the gangs in the favelas thought that they were police and shot at them and one of the guys very sadly was killed. Mm. Um, and I put a post on my Facebook page this morning in part out of respect for two overlanders for whom their trip obviously did not work out well but also as a bit of a reminder to us all not to rely upon our GPSs and to make sure that we get off and talk to the locals and the locals so often will guide us and help us in the right direction and steer us clear of the danger spots. Um, the problem with technology is that we can become too insular and we can be um, oblivious of, of the risks. Um, yeah. But, um, Very salutary tale. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So true, so true, so, Sam. Very sad. So, so sad for um, the guys' families and um, all of their mm. friends. It's just absolutely awful. And we all know that something can go wrong big time when you're on an overlanding trip. But, um, of course, the chances of it going that badly wrong are so small. Um, yeah, it's very, very but, rare. I mean, we get so few reports of things like that. It's, you know, I, I can think of three or four in, in 20 years. It's very rare, but... Yes, it can happen. I remember we rode into uh, Panama City, and this is before GPSs and maps were even lousy and stuff. And we took a wrong turn somewhere and ended up in one area, and I've got a picture of it somewhere. And I just we just took one look around and said, you know, we don't belong here. We yeah. turned did a U-turn and left. Yeah. Just You have to go with your gut. This just doesn't feel right. It doesn't look good. Mm, pay attention to your gut and get out. I'm just about to do a review, actually, on a, on a GPS unit and talk more about GPS units for the for the next show of Adventure Rider Radio. And that's really an interesting point because one of the things that I think is so neat about the new GPSs is that they can connect to your headset and you can have the you know the, the spoken directions, which are really handy if you don't know where you're going. But that's a real downside, isn't it? I mean, even if it wasn't as extreme as that, is getting you into maybe the a bad side of town, which I guess could be the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely, without doubt. I mean, um, one of the, the comments that somebody made on the the Facebook thread was that actually short distance in a city is not the right way to go, but fastest is the yeah. right way to go. Because and the even fastest that route not work. Will... Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. And th- these friends of mine in Brazil, they were saying, look, if, if you're going to be riding in Brazil um, and you're going through the big cities, then as you go into the um, the petrol stations, then have a look on the the doors of of the restaurants that every petrol station apparently has um, because all of the local bike clubs put their stickers and most of them have got um, website addresses and that sort of stuff. And these guys apparently are only too happy to make overlanders welcome, show them around, guide them away from the danger spots. I mean, Birgit and I, when we were in Argentina, we had the same sort of experience. And uh, we we see a lot of posts nowadays from people who are traveling across um, Russia and um, the biker gangs and um, clubs and so on are just linking up with the overlanders and uh, making them incredibly welcome. And I think oh, this yeah, is one of the key things about not just relying on technology, but um, talking to people, making making yeah. the effort of doing it. Yeah, don't stay insulated. Don't try and try and stay away from those people. Because no matter how rough and tumble the uh, biker gangs look, they're all on your side and they'll bend over backwards for you. I've got mm-hmm. stories of... A guy that was met by some a biker gang, and turned out that they they were the mafia in Russia, and one of them owned this amazing villa, and he was definitely a bad guy. But you're a motorcyclist, 
we will take care of you. We will make sure everything works for you and there will be no problems. You just give them my name and you will have no problems. Yeah. So there's lots of yeah, things going yeah. for us there. We've got, we've got heaps of stories like that too, Grant, you know, from sure. personal experience and you know, that's what it's all about. And I was just thinking about little potholes. When you mentioned potholes before, Jim, you know, we've got stories of um, young blokes coming to grief on huge potholes in Russia, you know, so badly that they nearly killed themselves. So, you know, potholes for motorcyclists are dangerous. Mm. So, you know, any any sort of danger like that you've got to be looking out for. But, you know, to lose your life is very, very rare um, on an overlander trip uh, when you take all the precautions. And I think I've discussed it before, never, ever, ever rely just on GPS. I always have a map. Always try and um, uh, find out where the locals go and um, use the local knowledge. Yep. Well, just to make sure that no one ends up sending me emails and saying uh, I'm I'm exaggerating. I was exaggerating a little bit about our potholes here on Quadra Island. <laughs> <laughs> we, we saw the newer walker tightrope there, Jim. My yeah, goodness. You- it- it has to be a small bike to ride into the potholes and back out again. So, I mean, let me just say that. Hey, yeah, wait, some, you, know, some of the locals, some of the locals in the local street have been planting plants in the potholes because they're sick and tired of the uh, <laughs> council not doing anything. So you've got great. this road with, with plants growing in the middle of it. That's <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> I love that. That's a great idea. <laughs> well, you it's know, nice and subtle, isn't it? Is that Australian sense of humour? Obviously. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Certainly got the attention, though. Nice. Good. Now, you guys may not have realized this or thought it through, but this is the 12th show of Raw. This means hey. Raw is Happy one year old. Fantastic. Whoa. Happy birthday. Wow. No, we made it. No one, we all look older. <laughs> your picture's the same as it was last year brian you don't look a day older it doesn't change the photo the picture that's of why. dorian gray <laughs> dorian gray you got it <laughs> I t- you know talk your photos i'm laughing because you know i was at um motorcycle live show at um, the birmingham um, exhibition center a few weeks back um and this time just for a bit of fun i i put in a passport photograph of me when i was about 21 years old and they didn't notice the difference <laughs> i felt so happy <laughs> <I> didn't notice <laughs> somebody's not looking and, and graham what did you do did you put just pull your hair over your face <laughs> <laughs> what's left of it yeah <laughs> i don't think you should talk Brian. really yeah i can't talk <laughs> <laughs> well our uh, our topics for Today, um, the first one we're going to talk about was a few episodes back. You guys probably knew that we did the um, episode on Adventure Rider Radio about my my friend who broke his leg, and that was right here on Quadra Island where I live. We were just out for a short little ride. He bought this brand new bike, and anyway, and he wipes out it's uh, and and breaks his leg. But as he's laying there and we're we're doing the evacuation, we get talking about where it's broken, etc. And then afterwards, once he gets the X rays, it confirms you know right a, right above the shoe, and he's wearing hiking boots. So the conversation actually turned to, you know, what would have happened if he was wearing proper riding boots? Um, would it have not broken? Would it have broken farther up? Because uh, some other people have said, well, that just moves the break up. So apparently some people who are friends of, of his had said uh, they're in the skiing industry. And they said, as the boots got taller, the brakes just moved up the leg. So yep, the question is. That. I used to be in there too. Same thing. The brakes moved up the leg. Yeah. But, the, but the thing is, yeah. well, I, I guess we'll get to that. But, but um, So we're here to talk about today about, um, we're going to talk about footwear and, and what you guys wear, what we all wear for footwear, and what we think we actually should wear and, uh, and sort of go on there. So Grant, go ahead. What are you wearing? 
I wear a couple of different boots and it depends on what I'm doing. When we rode around the world, we were wearing fairly lightweight, sort of a sport boot because um, it was easy to walk around in. We were expecting to spend most of our time walking around, doing things, looking at things and stuff. So we didn't want to go for particularly heavy boots and we didn't have any problems. So it was a good thing that the boots were worked out adequately. Uh, if we'd had a big crash, they would certainly not have been adequate in anything major. So for We're both wearing much heavier boots now. And for off-road, I wear a pair of proper off-road boots. The, the difference between even the best, shall we call it, an adventure boot these days, um, and there's quite a few of them out there, a proper adventure boot versus a proper off-road boot, there's still quite a difference in protection. But it, it's how much can you put up with for what you're doing? You know, if you're if you're doing a big around-the-world trip and you're spending most of your time on the pavement, do you need a heavy-duty off-road boot that squeaks and is super stiff and is difficult to shift with? That's the decision you have to make versus a comfortable boot that's a little lighter, a little easier to walk with, and maybe is a little cheaper too, but certainly is a lot less pain in the neck. So it's a choice you have to make, I think. I was waiting for somebody else to jump in there is what I was waiting for. But well, um, I can jump in if you like. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I've got fairly strong feelings about this because, um, yeah, absolutely. oh, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody's been posting about puns all day today. I don't know whether you've seen it going around, but some of the puns are blooming awful. So you join the club. Oh, uh, I, I took the day off Facebook, so I don't know what's Very sensible. Um, yeah. yeah, so anyway, um, I think one of the keys – was what Grant said about what are you doing? Now, um, I think if you're going to go hardcore off-roading, then it makes sense to have um, a, a more supportive type of boot. Um, but if you're going to do a long-distance overlanding um, trip, then you want to have a boot that's going to do um, the best it can at everything. Um, I mean, when Berger and I were doing the eight-year trip, we had um, Dr. Martin's but we'd gone for the ones that are really thick leather and padded around the neck and all of this sort of stuff. And when it rains, then we'd stick carrier bags down inside them, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know, it wasn't until the last year of the trip that I had my first waterproof boots. Um, but we liked these because we, could, we only needed to carry two items of footwear, the boots that we were riding in and a pair of flip-flops, which we used for going into the showers and things like that. And we supported, we backed up... Um, the walking boots with knee and shin pads. So that gave us the additional support and protection that we needed up in, you know, um, the upper leg area. Um, but I, I suppose for me, it was also a, a cost thing. You know, do I spend 120 pounds on waterproof boots versus 20 pound boots with free carrier bags um, and then spend the money on fuel for the, the petrol tank or another couple of visas or whatever? Um, I mean, now I ride all the time with um, Altboat boots. They're a, a motorcycle um, hiking boot cross. And they, they go sort of calf high. They're non-crush, but they're, they're light enough and flexible enough for, for me to wear all the time on and off the bike. And in actual fact, they're my favorite shoes, and I literally do wear them around all over the place um, because they just do a really, really good job. If I was going to be doing um, a trip constantly in really hot places, 
then I wouldn't be riding with the waterproof version because your feet just get incredibly hot in them. Um, and you can get um, the non-waterproof ones, and I would definitely go for those. But I would still go for leather, and I would still go for um, well above um, the ankle and well padded around the ankle. Um, there we are. See, I told you I had um, yeah. a strong idea about it. <laughs> Susan's wearing Altberg boots now, which were actually custom-made. She's gone through, I don't know, we've got literally a closet full of female motorcycle boots and she's finally found a pair that were actually custom fitted for her at the Altberg factory and that's made a huge difference for her she's a lot happier and a lot more comfortable and yet they've got really good protection they're they're good boots quite heavy duty I tried to get a pair custom made for me but there was nothing that I could even come close to making work for what I wanted so right now I'm actually looking for boots again some of you may have seen the Facebook post from last summer of my CD boots that I've had for <clears throat> 20 years. <clears throat> Didn't say that too loudly, I hope. Uh, the sole fell off. Both of them literally fell off. I'm walking along and, wait a minute, this feels funny, and the sole's flapping away. So I had to have the boots re-glued re back together, and in South Africa, one of the soles fell off again. So I'm wow. in the market for new boots. Poor quality uh, workmanship, it's, it's, it's I really guess that is. Choice. Yeah, yeah, poor, um, poor, poor product. Poor product. Twenty yeah. years. Twenty years. Not good enough. Twenty years. No, <laughs> no, could say, no you, could oh, well. say you did. A, you did. A, you did a good road test, then, Grant. <laughs> oh yes, very good. Um, they were CDs, which interesting. I, I, my first pair of boots for actual real motorcycle riding, I bought. Brace yourself, 1972, and they were a pair of CDs, Joel Robert motocross boots, and I still got them in the closet. I don't wear them anymore, but they're still there and. They're still really good, nice, heavy-duty leather. I think CD makes good, good boots, good quality. Um, I've got about five or six pairs of them. They've been excellent for me. So, Grant, that you you beat this thing um, about women having more um, pairs of footwear than men. Then um, uh, you've, you've got a closet got, full. I'm trying to think how many pairs have I got? One, two, three. I've got a pair of dairy boots from the '70s. You probably don't even remember them. They're so long ago. They're no, still I'm far too young to remember those, Grant. Yeah, I remember them. It sounds, sounds to me like you're the male version of a Milda Marcos motorcycle. <laughs> um, yeah, in the in the motorcycle boot department, yeah, I would kind of have to think. I probably got six pairs, maybe seven pairs, or maybe eight. <laughs> And, and I'm still Susan's looking not for far behind you. Gra Graham, oh, I want to hear what I, Graham's got on. Yeah, dare I ask, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> can, can I hear birds tweeting in the background yeah. am I the only one here yeah, yeah, that's, yeah you can it's, it's morning and the birds are singing and we can't stop the birds from singing in Australia yeah. oh, no I just wondered I thought it was the penguins outside but I couldn't work out <laughs> <laughs> it's very high the birds are very penguins, happy Graham. the birds are very happy it's not 36 degrees again today <laughs> Actually, that's yeah, very, I can um, hear them now, too. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what boots. Yes. <laughs> what boots are you wearing, Graham? That's the right Thank question you. to ask. <laughs> uh, well, when I did um, my first big trip to Mongolia, I had a second-hand, anybody who's read in Search Green Grass knows this, this second-hand pair of BMW boots that a friend's mum had found in a, in a thrift store in America. And... They were quite bouncy. They were kind of like air kind of soles, and it was quite nice, a bit like sort of walking on air. 
And they, they were all Velcro. They didn't have laces or straps. They just Velcroed on. They were really creaky. They always squeaked. But they were all right, and they seemed quite adequate. And uh, so I went off on them. And when I got in Russia one night, I was camping. One of the soles started flapping a little bit, and I was camping. And when you're camping on your own, there's not an awful lot to do. And I bothered to look at my boots. And it turns out that they must have been for someone who'd had a, <laughs> a hip operation or something because one of the soles was built up by about, I don't know, about three centimetres. Whenever I got off the bike, I was always walking around in slight curves. <laughs> I'd, I'd done a trip from Colorado to California, and then I'd left from the UK and got all the way to Russia before I realised I'd have built up a sole on one of the boots. <laughs> Graham, is this the real reason that you ended up going to Mongolia via Sweden? It had nothing to do with the rock concert at all. It was the boots. <laughs> if I'd been walking, that makes perfect sense. So, but anyway, they were they were adequate. However, since then, I have well, actually, I was given a pair of former boots, which I now notice everywhere. Mountain people who come through motor camp wearing former boots, and uh, I, 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 they're, they're not super expensive. They're less than two hundred pounds, and it, they're probably worth. I think they are worth the money. I was just given to them because I'm famous, and people like me to wear their stuff. But they <laughs> are worth the money. I really, really like. Them. They've only got three straps. And the thing is, and, and the thing is with anything, is if one thing can do more than one job. And they're really, really comfy for walking in. So you don't have to get off the bike, feel like you're wearing snowboarding or ski boots, which is totally inflexible. They're actually comfortable boots to wear. They're not totally waterproof. I don't know if any of them really are. You know, it depends on your basis for comparison and how big old <laughs> rain you ride through or rivers or whatever. But I really like the former boots. And if this pair ever wear out, I will probably get another pair. That's how much I like them. However, on the subject of footwear, I can't travel with less than three pairs of footwear because I've got my biking boots, which even though I can walk in them, you don't go into restaurants in them. So I have a pair of trainers for if I want to do some hiking or something. And then I've got sandals for just around the campsite if it's hot and whatever. And I can't find a way of traveling with less than three pairs of footwear if anybody's got any advice. Well, there is a new boot out. I'll have to put in a plug for Touratech's new Destino boot. It's kind of like your Forma boot, three buckle adventure boot. And inside is a booty, which is a perfectly walkable shoe. So you've got two in one. So like a little they've pod. They've got it designed so that, uh, yeah, you, so you take the, the inner boot out and you can wear the inner boot around town. But there's also a cable built into the outer boot, which you can lock to the bike so it doesn't get stolen. Oh, wow. I did have some Alpine Stars ones which had little booties in them, but the booties weren't really for wearing. They were just... For washing, I think, so they didn't smell so much. <laughs> <laughs> so these are an interesting boot. I'm going to be having a close look at them myself and see what they uh, see how they work out. But uh, there's a possibility for you as one way to reduce from three because we have the same issue. We go with the three pairs. We've got proper motorcycle boots, which are okay for walking, but a pair of trainers for actual, really, I'm going to be walking around and this is what I'm going to wear. And every once in a while, yeah, a pair of sandals is nice. It seems kind of weird to pull a boot out from a, inside a boot, walk around on it through all kinds of dog crap and stuff, and then shove it back into your boot. 
Well, yeah, but you're steeping your foot is still inside that inner boot. So yeah. it's okay to have that dog crap in the middle. You might want to wash it beforehand <laughs> or occasionally, but you can you, do it. You guys are conjuring up a pretty bad image here. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that design's been around for a while. I've seen um, sure. people um, who um, go hiking, uh, you know, come across bikes up in the high country in Glossgockner and places like that in Europe. And uh, quite often you see a pair of boots cabled. Uh, tied to a, a bike, and uh, in the old days, what they used to do is drill a hole through the the heel part, so you can run a cable through them and cable mm-hmm. to your bike. Um, I've seen that quite a bit, actually. Um, but uh, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey from from my boots. I started riding in the bush in a pair of gym boots, would you believe? And um, <laughs> a pair of what? What are they? Uh, you know, gym boots. Hoops. You know, like really soft, uh, soft gym boots. And, um, no, know, hang on. Is it, you, you haven't done it yet. Not, we don't know what this we're is. We're not exactly sure what gym boots are <laughs> yeah. over here. In the, the Con, they're like, not a clue. They're, they're like Converse <laughs> boots, you know, canvas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it's probably even not as not much protection as a, as a Converse boot, but uh, you hit it, hit something with your toe. You certainly know about it. Um, and, um, you know, uh, with the upswept pipes on a little trail bike, so I've got all the scars down the inside of my leg where you put your foot out to drift around corners and hit the exhaust pipe. Yeah, it's a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, got those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, you know, I graduated from that to flying boots. Remember the old flying boots where when it rained, all the water ran down into the fur line of the, the flying boot? Not <laughs> waterproof, not not warm, nothing like that. Um <laughs> And many of you know that I'm an ex-copper. When, when you join the police force, you have to uh, go and have a medical. Um, so I dressed up to – the only form of transport I ever had was a motorbike. So I dressed up and uh, properly and put a pair of shoes on to ride my motorcycle down to the doctors for my um, physical checkup. And, uh, of course, a woman turns right in front of me, doesn't she? And uh, my foot gets jammed between the car and the bike – and it rips a hole in my leg, which I still have to this day, simply because I was wearing shoes rather than motorbike boots, which I always mm. wore, other than going to the doctors. So that's put <laughs> me back a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. All the gear, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I went um, joining the police force of boys that ride motorbikes professionally. They had a guy who made handmade leather motorcycle riding boots, knee-length riding boots, which were fantastic. So I got a pair of those made and loved them, absolutely loved them. I still got them, a bit like you, Grant, still got them in the cupboard, still wear them every now and then. They're fantastic. But uh, I've got to say, um, the AXO boots I wear, which are very similar to adventure riding boots nowadays, are the best. They are waterproof, Sam, and I swear by them. They're as comfortable. They're like a pair of slippers to wear. But, you know, the ones with the two zips, and the Velcro top, so they are waterproof. And um, I've worn two pairs of those, and I find them great. And, of course, I've got a pair of shorties for around town, which are a little bit more comfortable to wear around town. So that's me. What about you, Cheryl? Uh, I go for style. I'm afraid, being a girl, I have a very nice pair of Italian riding boots. They are motorcycle boots, but they've got, um, instead of making it look as though I'm wearing two house bricks, one on the end of each leg, they're um, stylish and have a little heel. Um, and I, I did have one pair that uh, when we came off at 95 and I slid down the road, the sole ripped off both of them, but I didn't get a scratch or a bruise on my feet. So they certainly work. They're effective. 
and they look good and um, they're comfy enough to walk in. But I also need more than one pair of shoes when we travel. I take a pair of sneakers, I take a pair of thongs and I take a pair of um, ballet flats as well. So I could be the Imelda Marcos on the trip, whereas Grant is the Imelda Marcos in his own home. <laughs> Are those waterproof? I could, I could... <laughs> Which, the, the ballet, ballet flats? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the Italian boots that Shirley's wearing. Yeah, the Italian boots are, are waterproof. They've got an inner membrane, so even if water gets into the zip, it doesn't get inside the boot. The ones I had prior to that, um, I think they were Alpine Stars or something, every time they got wet, the water just went inside the zip and filled up the inside of the shoe, so they weren't any good at all. But these ones are good. And don't ask me the brand. I'd have to go upstairs and rummage through my wardrobe to find them. Well, you'd never find them in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and one of the most important questions, Shirley, is so what colour are they? Oh, they're black. <laughs> of course. <laughs> black goes with everything. They'll go with anything. I was going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just riding with hiking boots. They're they're heavy duty hiking boots. Like they're they're quite robust. They come up past the ankle and everything. But still, they're they're hiking boots. I mean, I've had some light get offs with them uh, with riding with this style of boot, and and not a not a problem. But I am sort of curious. I mean, this accident that my friend had, or, or this little get off that he had, this little problem he had that broke his leg. It did get us talking a lot about boots, and and that's where I started to say at the at the beginning the higher boot, is it moving the break up the leg? Now, here's here's my thought process, Grant, because I, I know you're going to say that you've heard the same thing, is that your your leg bone gets smaller as it goes down. Therefore, it's it's easier to break. It would make sense to me. So if you move the, the breaking point up, you have at least a better chance at not having it break. Does that make Absolutely. sense? Absolutely. Yep, totally makes sense. Uh, the injuries moved up in the ski boot world, but they were also reduced at the same time. Mm. which is why most ski boots aren't really short like hiking boot height. They're definitely considerably taller than that. Uh, it's a certain amount of it's a, uh, a matter of balance, what works. I had a pair of ski boots that were very tall, almost to the knee, and they didn't really work that well. They weren't, I don't know, it's hard to explain, and it was a long time ago now, but I wear shorter ski boots now, and they work fine. But I think for motorcycle boots, half of the reason for the length is just protection against things like foot pegs. If your foot's on the ground and your foot peg is above your boot, that foot peg's going to hurt a lot. So I think yeah. you need some reasonable height. You need some good protection. Um, the shaft of the boot needs to be relatively stiff to protect your leg as best as possible. And crushing injuries on the foot itself, like the bike actually landing on the foot at speed, I mean, you need a fairly decent heavy-duty sole. So if you... I mean, there's, there's people that ride out there in flip-flops, jeans, and a T-shirt, you know, but uh, that's not sensible either. There's an awful lot of people getting themselves really badly hurt because they're just not properly protected. I think it's, it's really important to dress for the occasion, as it were. Uh, wear good protection, and if you do crash, it doesn't hurt. I mean, I've crashed lots and lots and lots of times off-road. And with good protection, you just bounce and say, right, okay, now you're gonna, somebody going to help me pick up my bike? <laughs> it's no big deal. But if you're not protected, I've been down without good protection. And, yeah, it, it, it hurts and it's going to cause you some real problems. And it could, you could get really badly injured. So wear good protection always at GAT, all the gear, all the time. I completely could, agree. Could I, I just mean, add it's... a little footnote to this? <laughs> a footnote? Oh, oh, really? Somebody give him the boots. Well done. 
<laughs> suck suck it um, to him, somebody. Going, going inside the boot, I had some smart wool socks once, which were, if you've read the label, they appeared to be the most magnificent thing ever. But there's no spot point I found in having smart socks if you've got stupid boots, because <laughs> it, it's... It was, because they still got wet, and then they would say, oh, what are they supposed to do? I don't know what they're supposed to do with the moisture. Send it up the top of your leg and ventilate through your groin or something. But it just it just had this wet, clammy moisture that never dried. Smart wool, I think, is probably more – it has to be, in my opinion – it has to work in conjunction with your boot, your breathable boot. And if you haven't got breathable boots, then it just sits there festering. It's just trench foot waiting to happen. Yep. Having said that, I um, in Lidl, where I buy most of my clothes these days, they had these socks called performance socks. I saw them last year. They sounded exhausting. But this year they had them again, performance socks, and I didn't need them. And... Uh, they're for skiing, actually, because they've got all their skiing and snowboarding stuff in at the moment. And I bought this pair. They're killer. They've got all these, like, Achilles supports and little, like, bumpy bits where they're supposed to be and smooth bits and clingy bits. And I'm wearing them all the time. If you want to know what I'm wearing, Jim, I'm wearing my little performance <laughs> socks. I bought, went back and bought two more pairs. I'm really impressed with them. <laughs> yeah, I wear uh, ski socks myself in my riding boots. Uh, for my street boots, I normally wear ski socks. They're very light, very thin wool, and they breathe and ventilate well, and they never feel clammy. They're, they're great, just a lightweight ski sock. But for off-road boots, I've actually got a pair of <clears throat> BMW socks, actual genuine <laughs> BMW socks. I bought them once because I was desperate, and they're awesome. <laughs> they're really good off-road socks. I'm very impressed with them. But they're uh, a wool blend as well. I Susan, like merino wool. Yeah, we, we grow the best sheep in the world here. Merino wool's fantastic. Yep, you guys go right. about I thought that was New Zealand. <laughs> no. No. Oh. no. your history. John MacArthur developed the merino wool in Australia. Oh, what have I New done? <laughs> You're on the other side of the world, Jim, otherwise you'd be in big trouble. Because <laughs> I was just reading a thing recently that in Australia they just found two more uses for sheep. One was wool and the other was meat. <laughs> Uh, that's New Zealand. Yes, yeah, New Zealand. <laughs> that's where they develop Velcro gloves, but we're not going to go there. <laughs> I always used to travel with um, with cotton socks because cotton, well, you know, it's lightweight, um, it's cool to wear, um, they dry quickly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, a Canadian friend, um, Alain Despatier, who's I think travelling in Australia at the moment, yeah, yeah. Um, he yes, uh, he gave horizons. me a pair of. That's right. Uh, he gave me a pair of smart wool um, socks, and I have to say that I am impressed. Um, they do I work. Bet I, don't, don't. I, I bet you used to wear cotton socks because when you were a little boy, your mum used to say to you, well, bless your cotton, bless your cotton socks, socks. Eh? <laughs> No, it's more like bless your, your flip-flops because I didn't wear <laughs> I didn't wear shoes. It was great. Oh, dear. Had no shoes, yeah. lived in shoebox. Cotton yeah, is something you do not. By, <laughs> cotton is something you do not want to wear in in anywhere where you've got to deal with uh, with moisture. Particularly, you said they dry fast. They, they don't dry fast compared to synthetic. Cotton is horrible for that. Yeah, yeah. In comparison, yep. Susan socks. Now she's actually bought. Uh, we were in a sporting goods store and saw some socks hanging up. Ooh, they were soccer socks. Foot, sorry, football socks to the to much of the world. 
in part of the world you understand soccer, and other parts of the world you understand football. We know uh, what you're but, talking about. Soccer <laughs> we know you know. I thought you said socket socks. I thought, is that how they stay on? <laughs> <laughs> and she loves them. Thinks they're absolutely great. So just a, a, a sport sock that's designed to wick away moisture and do the job. That's a good way to go. There's, so there's a lot, I think there's lots of choices, but mostly it's not cotton. That's probably the number one thing I could say. Well, I like the cotton ones because I only ever used to use very thin ones, you see. So um, that, that was why they dried quickly. Mm, yes. but, and I've got quite a few friends who wear um, waterproof socks inside their boots because their boots aren't waterproof um, but they always look really thick to me and I don't like the sensation of sort of cramming my feet in these and then cramming them into, a, into the boots have you mm. ever had any experience of wearing that sort of thing? Yeah, I tried no. one pair once, no thanks Yeah, I, have, no, I haven't tried them They were them. not uh, the best for breathing, I found um, I've generally made a point of making sure that my boots are waterproof and if they're less than waterproof, I'd take a, a good waterproofing goo to rub into the leather and do my very best to maintain them and keep them as waterproof as I can. Um, you, you know the odd thing, though, Greg? I just went out and bought a new pair of boots, Greg, by the sound of it. Say again? I thought you just went out and bought a new pair of boots. Well, there's that. Works. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the um, the thing with the the waterproof socks is it's much like a waterproof boot if you think about it. With a waterproof boot, that when they put those Gore-Tex liners in, they just sew that sort of a sock into the boot, right? And so, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same as wearing a waterproof sock. I haven't tried waterproof socks before, but to me, it's it's a sort of the same concept as far as venting goes. Yeah. Yep. Good waterproof boot with a good waterproof liner. Cortex, Sympatex, something like that. Um, I think that's the way to go. What about I've removable? What about removable liners? So like your CD boots, do they have removable removable liners in there you can just pull out to dry? No, I haven't seen one. If, any, if anybody knows about a boot with a removable liner, I'd be interested mm. to see it. Doesn't that seem weird, one. though? Like, doesn't it make sense that your, your foot's going to get wet, and how do you dry out your boot afterwards? I mean, even if it's just sweat, like even if they were waterproof and it's just sweat, how do you dry the boot out? The big, heavy... Stuff it with newspaper. Mm. Hmm. So what do you do? You've got to take another pair of uh, removable waterproof liner. I, I, don't, I don't understand. It sounds like it's almost well, no, no. You, you pull the liner out. Your feet. It's, it's like, like winter boots. Winter boots here, a common winter boot is a, an outer shell, which is almost like just rubber and, and uh, plastic almost, and the inner liner that slips into it. And when you, you go out for the day, you wear them, you definitely get condensation in your boot. You pull the liners out, you put it by the wood stove or, or by your heater or whatever, and it's dry. Like if you stayed at a hotel room, you'd put it out, and it would, it would likely dry overnight. Mm. Well, I could just imagine the smell. Well, that's that's kind. Of, I think what you're talking about, Jim, is a non-waterproof boot with a waterproof sock. Mm, Same maybe, thing. maybe. Usually, it's a yeah, thick liner. Alpine though. Stars did something like that because I had a pair once. I bought them secondhand and, and sold them as well before I even left on the trip. And uh, they, like I said, they had this inner booty thing because they were supposed to be vent. They were super expensive if you bought them new, and they were supposed to be vented for because I was going down to Mexico for hot weather. Yeah, the little inner boot was it was like something you'd wear like a, it was it was a, like a wetsuit type booty thing. And I put it in my friend's washing machine repeatedly because I've got them secondhand trying to get rid of the smell and it never went. So I put them back on eBay. Boots <laughs> 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 yeah, knew where they were like going. This, <laughs> Our next thing is we have to ha- we go on the premise that that a lot of people celebrate Christmas. Now we know obviously everybody doesn't, but if you're 
if you happen to celebrate Christmas, this is what we're the premise we're working on. And, um, and, or at least maybe you cash in on the fact that somebody might be interested in buying you a present. So with those assumptions in mind, we're talking about bike stuff here too, by the way, what we're looking for is two things that each of us would ask for Christmas if we thought we could probably get them. Realistically speaking. So I, I, well. I think I think I'm gonna ask Graham first because I think he's chomping at the bit. He's sitting on his hands. He has the two things in mind. What are they? When you start a news topic, I can tell when you start it who you're gonna ask first. And I knew <laughs> <laughs> how do you know said, please what, what? don't be me please don't what? you let me be last but what you but, but i guess you know me well enough now to think if i start with grave the subject will only get better afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just trying to keep you awake graham that's all <laughs> well i have given this a little bit of thought and I really am. I'm really lucky. I, I love my life here in bulgaria i'm really content i've got a lovely shed with some lovely bikes in it Life is really very good, and I don't particularly get into Christmas. I don't like to think I'm particularly materialistic, and there's not an awful lot I need. And so ultimately what I came up with was a clean bike and a dirty woman. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly a way to stir things up and add absolutely nothing of value to the conversation. (laughs) <laughs> what did you expect, really? <laughs> well, I, I have I'm to shocked. say, your chances of receiving those things in the mail, I, I think, are pretty slim at this point. <laughs> but if you don't ask, <laughs> it's, it's true. On the internet, there's plenty of Russian child brides here for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After my, after my washed and cleaned passport. <laughs> Shirley, how about you? Well, I'm just still a bit staggered by Graham's (laughs) Christmas wish list. And I have to say that one of the things on my wish list I may now have to remove, but Brian and I decided to buy ourselves a present together for each other and we bought Graham's pannier set of books. (laughs) Well, that's a good purchase. They arrived very, very quickly and they're sitting there waiting for, um, for the Christmas period to come so we can sit down and enjoy them. So that was on the wish list and it arrived by post. Thank you very much, Graham's mum, who I believe yeah, is after all. My mum takes all the credit for that. Whoa, 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 hang on a second. Your mum does the shipping for your books? Yeah, because the books are in the UK and I'm in Bulgaria. So, yeah, mum is in charge of dispatch and very good she is too, actually. And, and Absolutely. Speedy, Speedy Gonzalez. Does, they does were here get, in no time. Does she get paid heavily for that? Um, she gets a mention on the radio. Several people will hear her name if I were to say it. We we got a phone. We we got a. I got to get your mum's phone number. Jim, you got to get her onto the show. I think that's a really good idea. Do you have her number? Can you text it to me? Yeah. You've asked this before and no, Jim. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jim. I'll get you some We'll find it. Don't worry. We'll find it. Yeah. Don't ask her what she's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then. Jim, a Grainfield t-shirt. <laughs> Every now and then, Graham says something that I just do not even want to touch. I don't want to respond to it. You know, I just, I'm not going to fuel this as he's starting something and I'm not going to fuel it. Grant, what are you looking for? for, What are you looking for for Christmas? 
Well, that's something that we've been kind of kicking around here since you sent us that little note that we need to think about what do we want for Christmas. And actually, we're having a lot of trouble with it. But we did come up with something that we've been working on, and that's seats, motorcycle seats. Mm. Um, seats are a real problem. How many guys have ridden, have a stock seat on their bike? Anybody? Well, I do. You do. Yeah. Okay. You Which got a hard ass. I've got an F eight hundred, but but I mean, I I had the same. I had a stock seat on on my KLR as well. I'm I'm not that into seats. <laughs> okay. So you're a hard you ass. All right. All the okay. time, Jim. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, when I'm in dirt, yeah. But I mean, I don't know. I I think I can just seem to put up with it. Okay. Most people I find complain about the seats. I mean, I do a ergonomics class at most of the events that I go to. And one of the things we talk about is seat comfort because that's part of getting the bike to fit and work for you. And everybody's different. So we find for, for especially for two up, seat comfort has to be really good or it's, it's a real, it can be a real problem, uh, especially when her seat is not as good as yours. That's, that could be even more of a problem, isn't it, Shirley? Absolutely. <laughs> Girls got to be more comfortable, most definitely. Yes. And most guys know, keep her happy. Happy wife, happy life. So, yes. So we want to make sure she's got a good seat. Um, but one of the things that I'm particularly aware of, because oh, some, many of you know that I went through prostate cancer a few years ago and learned a whole lot about that part of the world. And there's some important things that relate directly to motorcycling and bicycling, for that matter, is the perineal area. That's the part right underneath in the middle. The, the perineum is important because it contains blood vessels and nerves that supply the urinary tract and genitals with blood and, and very importantly, nerve signals. So if you injure those parts, you can have all kinds of bladder control problems, ED. We all know what ED is. Graham, you know what ED is? I'm glad you I asked don't know him. what ED is. I was going to say, I didn't want to tell you that I didn't know either, so I'm glad you hit pointed him. I don't know either. Come on, okay. I don't know everybody else is ED is erectile it? dysfunction. Can we mm. say that on the radio? I think so, yeah. Too late, you've already said it. <laughs> yeah, too late, we said it. Okay, Moving so rapidly on. the important part is if you have too much pressure in that area, you can have all these issues. So a few published studies have suggested that motorcycling increases the risk of ED and urinary symptoms mm. simply due to pressure on the perineal blood vessels and nerves. Okay, I didn't want to hear that. Wow, but, no, I didn't uh, want to hear that I, either. I know about it. Okay, so... I don't know about you, but I, I've experienced numbness in a very important area with many seats. And I don't know about you, but my experience has been the sensation of feeling that everything is gone is very unpleasant. How many of you have had that? Just numb. Well, All your bits are there numb. Was, well, uh, there was, it's interesting to listen to what you're saying. When I was doing my cycling stuff and I was doing my long-distance cycling, and I, and I also found on forums – there is something to do with the bicycle seat and the way you sit and the pressure you exert because of the pedal pushing yep, that huge does something. I'd never heard of the term ED before, but there was something that – I don't know if I'm going to talk about this. seems like I'm going to talk about this. That Go totally ahead. took away my sex drive. I mean completely and utterly. Like yes. I'd never thought so clearly in all my life because I was never distracted. And I was really worried. I thought maybe this is a phase I'm going through. Maybe this is a part of my life I've, I've, I've passed now. But it was it was something to do with the pressure of the bicycle seat and the position and the pedaling and that. And once I got off the bike, luckily, it all came back again. But um, 
So that might have something to do with what you're talking about. Yes. You could edit that, Jim. Cease. It's very interesting that you. I just give up riding motor. Give up riding bicycles. I did. Yeah. Well, a lot of bicycles they have um, what they call a noseless seat now. Like the front part, the front three inches of the seat is gone for that exact reason. Ah. Ah. It's interesting that you guys are talking about this because when I got back from the first trip in the States this year, um, I had my blood test done and um, instant um, prostate cancer scare. So um, more more blood tests happening and more blood tests happening. And um, every time I was on the bike for a significant period of time, um, the rate went shooting up. Yes. As soon as I was off the bike for a month, the rate went back down again. And one of the questions they asked me was, was I riding a bicycle? Well, no, but I've been riding a motorcycle that corresponds with those times. Oh, that's interesting. We had never connected motorcycling with um, a, a, a rise in um, the count. Oh, So yeah. what you oh, guys have just been saying is very interesting. Yeah, yeah. they, they should know that. Though, yeah, I did actually, and that was one of the reasons why um, I was sitting on a harder seat rather than mm-hmm. my usual squishy, lovely sheepskin. Yep. Yeah, more pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What bike was it, Sam? It was an F800, was it, Sam? It was an F800, yeah, but it did have um, um, uh, a different saddle on it, which was way more comfortable than the bog standard. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what BMW do, but um, they do not know how to make comfortable saddles. Or least space, none of the BMWs I've ever ridden have had a comfortable saddle. Um, oh. But um, there are aftermarket versions out there that um, are much yeah. better. But you know, even this bike that I was riding didn't have, um, obviously, did have a side effect that I wasn't aware it would do. Well, I've got two comments for you on that. One is your doctor should know, because my doctor knew here in Canada, um, that motorcycle seats did have an effect on it. And if you're going for a prostate, um, a PSA test to get your prostate checked, you should not only not ride a motorcycle for a couple of days beforehand, you shouldn't have sex beforehand either. Because oh, that will about elevate that. your prostate. Okay, so that, you knew about that. But I didn't know about um, the riding okay. the bike. and yeah, the pressure I, I on the be- area. Yeah, no, it's very interesting. I should be um, passing that on because he obviously didn't know. But if that affects the test, does that tell you that it's doing long-term damage as well? Theoretically not. Because, for instance, having sex raises the PSA score, but that doesn't, that's not long-term damage. There's no Mm. issue. So I don't, I think it's just pressure, anything like that can elevate the PSA score. But pressure disregarding the PSA score has an effect on the prostate and it's very anecdotal and nobody's really sure exactly, but there is definitely pressure on the perineal blood vessels is not good on the nerve area is not good. Pressure on the prostate is not good. Basically you're putting pressure on an area that was never designed to take pressure just mm-hmm. simply because you're sitting on a bicycle or a motorcycle. Motorcycle is not as bad as bicycle, of course, but Still so motorcycle good. manufacturers need to get their act together and start paying attention. Yes. And that was what actually yeah. was going to talk about. <laughs> um, there's one motorcycle seat manufacturer out there, Saddleman, has recognized it. And they're putting a groove down the center of the seat. Well, like bicycle which, seats. Uh, well, a, a recessed groove down the middle, like some bicycle seats have. Some yeah, of the some bicycle end. seats have that groove down the middle there, which is for the same yes. reason. Thank God. And finally, I mean, I've been putting grooves in seats for a number of years now. And the seats, we recently got a pair of foam bases for our seats. 
And I put a groove in it and widened them and did some a few other modifications to make it fit. And the difference to riding comfort was just amazing. Beforehand, I was riding 20, 30 minutes and I was unhappy. 45 minutes and I was sitting side saddle. It was just like that bad. Um, now with the seat modifi- modifications, I'm getting two hours easily without even thinking about it. And I could keep riding for another couple of three hours without any issues at all. And Susan says the same thing on the seat I've done for her. Again, with the uh, perineal groove down the center. That makes a big, big difference. So her um, Susan's constant thought about seats is, first off, the average motorcycle seat is designed, on the pillion side, is designed for a 10-year-old boy, not an adult female. Have you ever noticed that the average motorcycle passenger seat is narrow at the back and wide at the front? Mm-hmm. Since mm-hmm. when does that fit anybody's butt? Like, it just doesn't. So... Something I I keep thinking. What idiot? <clears throat> sorry, whoever at uh, B. <clears throat> we won't mention who that was. I uh, <laughs> thought it was a good idea. It's pure style, and there's no concession to comfort. Uh, many years so ago, it's just style, great. No, it's all about so it style. Is. It's all it is. How it, how good does it look? I mean, look at a sport bike passenger seat. I mean, come on, let's get real here. But many years ago, when I was a BMW dealer, I had, had uh, some visit from the factory guys. They were visiting our shop. And one of the things I talked to them about was the crappy seats. And they said, after they had a little conversation amongst themselves, it was quite funny to watch. He um, says, well, we want to keep the aftermarket strong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they know the seats are bad, and they expect them to be replaced. And it's important for them, for the manufacturers, to have a strong aftermarket because that's part of the, the whole ecosystem of the motorcycle world is that there are – once you buy the bike, there's other things to buy and it's all connected and it all keeps everybody happy and it keeps the whole thing going around and around. and keeps money being going – spending. Uh, so, yeah, the seats aren't great. So I started with a foam base, tweaked hers, and now she's really happy. It's wider, especially at the back. I actually – just for fun, I measured – the uh, stock BMW seat at the back to the seat she's riding on now, it's four inches wider. Oh, wow. you scared me then, Grant. I thought you were going to say you measured her. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, the seat she's her ass doesn't on. look big on it. The seat isn't part of the bike. <laughs> I know Susan so, is sitting there listening to this right now. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Susan. <laughs> she said, I heard that. <laughs> So anyway, what I'm, what uh, my whole here wish is, um, is that manufacturers would get smarter about making better seats that work for us. And this design that I've created now, with a lot of consultation with lots of people and lots of reading and trying to figure out the medical aspects of it, is that we can get Touratech to manufacture it for us and put it out there as the Horizons Unlimited travel seat. Mm, oh, there's really? a good idea. Yeah. Wow. Is this happening? Yeah. Is it? Is that happening? Well, we're we're talking. We're talking. We'll wow. see. Perhaps next year. Um, but the the point is that we want to get something that's comfortable that you can ride on and you can enjoy, and especially for the passenger. Um, and also thinking about hey, there's there's medical issues here that we need to be aware of and look after people better. I think it's important to get that understanding out there, and the more people that just rip their own seat cover off and put a groove down the middle, the better. I mean, it's not hard. So is that seat going to be made specifically for one bike, or is it going to be a style of seat? Well, it'd be a style of seat manufactured to fit all kinds of bikes. Okay, cool. Yeah, why not? 
I mean, SewerTech makes lots of seats that are custom um, for all the different bikes out there that we care about as the travelers. Um, so it's easy enough to add another model in. Uh, it's a really, really good idea. You mentioned Saddleman. Have you used Saddleman seat? I haven't actually sat on a Saddleman seat. I've only seen them, um, but the design is right. It's good. I like the idea. Whether the, the rest of the seat works or not, but the, the understanding of the perineal issue and the understanding of the medical aspect of it is certainly there. Whether it works for you or not, for everybody, that's uh, another thing. But it's cer- certainly worth a look at. I think people should definitely check it out. Wow. Horizons Unlimited seats. We don't do things half-assed. <laughs> 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 hey, num nuts! I love a seat for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we now have our slogan. <laughs> Good marketing plan, Sam. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say you'll never be an overlanding bum if you've got a saddle like that. Mm. <laughs> well, I couldn't be left out, could I? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I was going to be terribly flip when you got to me because knowing that um, um, there's a certain amount of snow around, I was going to say, oh, all I want for Christmas is a white Christmas. But then I thought, no, come on, be sensible, boy. Um, you're older than that. Actually, do you know, my first thought was I don't need anything. I have everything that I need. I've got too much stuff. Why, why do I need anything else? And then I, I really started thinking hard and I thought, what's going to make the quality of your life better? Um, to put your bike in? Oh, yes, please. <laughs> our, our bikes suffer because they live outdoors all the time. But um, anyway, that's another story. Last weekend, I was camping up on the edge of Dartmoor, uh, of Vexmoor, and it was um, frosty at night time. And I reveled in the fact that I had my ex-bed sleeping mat downfilled. But what I didn't revel in was the usual old thing of using the um, included within the unit hand pump setup, which, because I've got um, a bit of a dodgy back, is not very comfortable sort of crawling around inside my tent pumping this thing. And I know that there is something called a schnozzle, which you can attach onto the um, the um, the air intake of the um, the ex-bed mats. And so that is very firmly on my Christmas list. And I know Birgit is without doubt definitely not going to be miss, missing this episode of the show. So, Birgit, I have just dropped a hint very firmly in your direction. Well, and I'll probably <laughs> the issue just a little bit for you, Sam. There is a little gadget that Thermarest makes. It's about, oh, I don't know, two inches long by an inch and a bit in diameter. It takes two AA batteries and it blows up your mattress in four or five minutes all by itself. And mm. also, Sam, I've got an XPED mattress, and I've also got an XPED pillow, which blows up the mattress. So you pump the pillow. If I've got on a flat surface, I do it 31 times, which is just the right hardness, because you're not supposed to actually put your mouth to the XPED thing, are you? Because the moisture no, you from your breath uh, messes with the fibres. So yeah. this little pillow, you pump the pillow... And that blows up your mattress, and then the the pillow is self-inflating. And I normally put my sheepskin seat cover over the pillow, and then that's me sorted. So that's another option as well, is the is. because again, it's something that does two jobs: it pumps up your mattress, and it's a pillow. Isn't the X-pad no. self-inflating as well? Don't you just open the valve and it inflates no. itself? No, no, no. Oh, you have to pump it. The downfill ones, you definitely can't put. Um, you know, air inside from from your lungs because of the down. Then you get all of the um, the the condensation inside, and that's not good for the down. So that's that's what was mentioning there. I mean, the one yeah. that I'm talking about, the schnozzle. 
the only mats that I've ever used have been just the like the Thermarest style where you just undo the valve and they just self-inflate. Why wouldn't they do that with a downfilled one? That seems weird. I, well, I don't know one, why it works the, the way it does. The ones you're talking about, Jim, have actually foam in them, which is compressed and squished. And when as soon as you reduce the pressure, right. they expand. I mean, think about a piece of ordinary foam and you squish it and there it is compressed. Let go and it expands and it sucks in the air. That's it very simple, but they're very thin and they're really not that comfortable. The X-Bed type mattress and Big Agnes makes one and there's a few others out there now that are roughly three inches in diameter thick um, and they're filled with down or synthetic fill and they are wonderfully comfortable. They sound amazing, but they're expensive. They are. They're fantastic. Absolutely toasty. Well, yeah, they are expensive, but I think, um, I mean, most people don't know that when you're camping in the cold or in the extreme heat, um, the sleeping mat that you put underneath you is what keeps you either cool or keeps you warm. And, you know, we, ha- we had a good half inch of um, frost on the, the back of the bikes. Um, so it was fairly chilly. I was not cold at all, not once with this downfield mat. I mean, this nozzle works kind of well because basically it's just a bag which attaches over and with, with four um, lots of air inside this bag, that's it, it's pumped up. So there literally is no pumping. It's just squeezing the air in. So... That's what I'm hoping for. But I did look at the one that Graham was talking, and I was just like, mm, tempting. But anyway, we'll go with this nozzle. Now, but also, oh, go on, go on, Sam, go on. Well, I've, I have, I'm going to be really, really greedy, and Jim can edit me out if he wants to, because I've got three. The second thing that I would like to have, I want a new starter motor for Libby. She deserves it. (laughs) I discovered how bad her starter motor is last weekend when it was that cold. It took about 20 minutes before I could get her to start. She doesn't like starting in the cold anymore. But hey, her current starter motor's got around 130,000 miles on it, so it doesn't owe me anything at all. So that may be something that I'm going to treat myself to. Um, There's some good ones out there. The Nippon Denso one is really good. It's amazing difference. That's the one that I've kind of got my eye on. It's quite expensive, yeah. but all of the reviews that penny. I read about it. And there are a couple of others around now that are um, about half the weight and use half the power um, yeah. that the Bosch or Nippon Denso does. But they've yeah. only got one mounting point, and that bothers me because, you know, this is a, the old BMW engines. It's a fairly large lump of, of cold metal that's got to be turned over. So how's just the one mounting point? Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. I would say that's not something to worry about. Really? Yep. Yep. Really. All the twisting force and torque is right at the the main mounting point where the gear end is. The other end is really just kind of along for the ride. It doesn't actually do much technically, man. So right. I wouldn't worry about it. So I could seriously consider these ones because yep. I can't what they're called, but they're incredibly cheap in comparison. And well, I, I don't know about how how good they are because I haven't mm-hmm. been paying attention to airheads lately, but I know the Nippon Denso one from the original Bosch was unbelievably improved. Yeah. It was just like, wow, all of a sudden this thing starts like instantly. It was amazing. And it was a lot lighter too. Yep. Well, I think that's probably going to be the one that I'm going to go for. And then my final choice, because I am greedy and it's Christmas. Um, this is after me saying I didn't need anything. Do you know, I'd like a new crash helmet. And for once, I'd like to actually have a crash helmet that's not a budget helmet. I'd like a, a Shoei Neotech or a Shuba C3 Pro. Does anybody have any experience of those two helmets? Yeah, both. I, yeah. I, I wanted to buy the Shoei Neotech. Having, I, I went to the adventure bike shop and I didn't have my glasses. And I tried one on. It was fantastic. 
And when someone couldn't see the price because they didn't have my glasses on, I was like, well, that's out of my budget. I ain't going to buy that. And when we were at Motorcycle Live, not last year, but the year before, um, I, I looked at all the prices and found the cheapest one. And I went, when, when me and you, Sam, were on the Overland stand, I went with Paddy. And at the last minute, he talked me into buying the Shoebeth, the C3, mm-hmm. which I did. And it's spectacular. And now, when I put on my old cheap K-Berg, which I've had several of, it feels like I'm not wearing a helmet because it's so bloody noisy. And yeah. the the, uh, the Shoebeth is a, a spectacular helmet. I still wish I'd have bought the Sony Neotech just because that's the one I wanted. But I've got nothing. That I, I can't diss the, the, the Shoebeth. It's a fabulous lid. They're both fabulous. I don't does think the, you go wrong. Does the Shoebeth have the, the, the drop-down sun visor in it? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's key, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Susan and I've had the C3 for about four or five years now, and they've been excellent. Love them, fantastic. Um, and Touratech uh, convinced us we should have the uh, new Touratech Aventura mod, the flip up, which is the a modified version of the C3 in the new design, and it's an awesome helmet as well. But both of them are not cheap, but you definitely get what you pay for. Well, let's hope that yeah, I've you, been a good boy this year in Santa Nosis. Yeah. You definitely won't go back. <laughs> yeah. Once you've had a high-end helmet, you'll you'll absolutely never go back. I mean, the difference between a really good quality helmet that's well-made, that's had uh, attention paid to things like noise and how quiet it is and how smooth the air flows and how well the shield works and easy to change and a flip-down sun visor – Nah, you'll never go back to a budget helmet. Well, you know, when I started off on the big trip, I had um, the first two helmets. I had Bushoe's, but I kind of fell off a lot and broke them. So um, mm. went for cheap <laughs> helmets after that. Well, I used to be an Arai fan, and Arai helmets are excellent quality helmets. I mean, if, you, if you've got an Arai, nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with a, a Shoei either. There's, I think the Arai, the Shoebirth, and the Shoei are probably the top line helmets out there in any of them. Are going to be excellent helmets. I still got a showy, or a, sorry, um, an Arai. Uh, what's it? Uh, the the Tourex, and it's a great helmet. Works very well. They're they're all good quality helmets. So buy what you like and can afford. No, well, I'm not buying price. this one. I'm hoping the Santa's glistening. <laughs> I've got helmet on Go my list it. too for the same reason. I've, I've got a budget helmet, the Fly Racing one. Um, I've got that one, and I've got another one that's uh, the HJC one, the, the flip-up one. Both of them are they're just not real, not real good helmets. So, I mean, I'd love to, if Santa's listening, I would definitely take one of those helmets, <laughs> any one of those yeah. helmets you're talking about. Just remember that uh, a helmet's only good for three to five years maximum. Yeah, both of my helmets have exceeded that. So, I, th- yeah. I think it's, uh, it is time. Yep. Yeah, my current ones on. You know, I had this conversation with a guy at a at a shop one day, and he and what he did was he told me that he looked at my helmet because I was getting a visor, and he says, "Well, you've bumped your helmet," and I said, "Yes, I have," and he says, "Well, it's garbage." He says, "It's no good," and I said, "Well, I understand that, but I've taken a context. I was there when I bumped it. I know what I did, and sort of thing, and and I'm pretty certain it's still good." And he says, "No," he says, "Absolutely," he says, "One." One bump and it's garbage. If you get in an accident now, something happens, you hit your head, you are not protected at all. And I said, well, hang on a second. That doesn't make sense to me, right? <laughs> and he says, no. He says, I went to a course because they, they teach us this and they show us that one bump ruins your helmet. And I said, well, you better hope that your head doesn't bounce twice when you when you go off your bike because the second time you're not going to be covered, are you? <laughs> and it, well, it there's, there's things that need to be clarified in there the guy's getting a little carried away with his yes, sales pitch absolutely basically that point where it was bumped is weakened yes 
Definitely. And when you do crash and hit your head hard, your head actually bounces inside the helmet. So you do get two hits, but one big hit where you initially hit and then it bounced back. And what's happening is that the, first of all, the outer shell, the fiberglass or plastic or whatever it is, is weakened because it's been impacted. And the styrofoam inside is now compressed. Therefore, you have less protection than you had before. So in theory, yes, the helmet should be replaced. Yeah. In practice, if, you, if your next crash is on a different part of your helmet and you don't hit as hard, you're okay. Probably. And that's what I do. I try and keep track of what I've bumped my head on and just turn my head yeah, a little bit as it. I go down to pick a new spot. It's also to do with the, the foam inside the helmet. You know, yeah. it gets a memory in it. And uh, over three to five years, three years is probably max. That's why you should change your helmet because the memory yeah. in the foam, it doesn't go back to where it should be because the internal aspect of the, the helmet is – very, very important in a crash, just as important, if, if not more so, than the external, because it will protect the head movement and uh, slow down the movement of the brain fluid from one side to the other so that you don't get brain bruising. That's what yeah. it's designed for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And believe me, so I've seen it. Crush once. Yeah. You know, this yeah, brings up yeah. a, a thought here. You know, a, a lot of us say ADGAT, right? You know, all the gear all the time. Yeah. Who, who is not ADGAT? Okay. <laughs> So everybody's in there on this. Well, I I, I don't think any of us could say that, Jim. I think there's there's the odd occasion where you will take a chance, you know, ride down to the shops or whatever it is. But, you know, in the main, yes, you know, boots, gloves, helmet at the very, very minimal. Yeah, for sure. I might ride in jeans, but that would be absolutely minimum and I would not be going very far and I would be nervous all the way. And always wear gloves. Oh, always, yes, always, absolutely. Always, always yeah. wear gloves. Well, yeah. the question I was going to put out there is, what is all the gear? I mean, are you guys wearing neck braces? Are you wearing chest protectors? What is <laughs> no, all the gear? No, no, no. See, that's that's oh. the problem. You know, we, we've got a, we're going through a period now where they're trying to legislate motorcyclists riding gear here, and it, which I think is fraught with danger because where do you stop? You know? yes. Are you then going to make pedestrians uh, wear all the gear all the time? Uh, you know? <laughs> And there was a lunatic here who wanted uh, all car drivers to wear helmets. And, you know, sure, the the safety crats will say that that will reduce head injuries and all the rest of it. But, God, you want to live your life in a helmet all the time? Yeah. Well, there was an idiot in the U.S. a number of years ago who tried to get a law passed that would require motorcycle riders to wear a (laughs) seatbelt. It didn't pass, needless to say, but, you know, where where do they start? People just don't have a clue sometimes. Um, For me, all the gear all the time means a good helmet, decent boots, jacket, gloves, and that's kind of my minimum. And I prefer to have proper uh, padded knees, hips, shoulders, back. Back protector, I think, is really important. And I know more than most people about that because I've managed to do my back a permanent injury. Uh, many years ago, before back protectors even existed, um, so I'm I'm very aware that you need all that protection. It does make a difference. Was that from sliding on your back? No, that was called going over the handlebars on and landing on a whole bunch of boulders mm. on my back. Again, like I said, you have to watch what you land on. Yeah, I, it's just <laughs> really stupid. I just I saw all these rocks and I just flipped right over. I mean, it was a perfect yeah. 180 degree yeah. flip. Bang! Well, the first but, thing uh, I learned yeah, my in back any new language. Fine. The first thing I learn in any new language is get out of the way as I'm coming off the line. <laughs> <laughs> Rocks speak different languages, you know? Yeah. 
Indeed. So, so, so any, Sorry, well, we, Brian, what, what does ad get oh, to you? Oh, uh, to, to me, it, it's got to be boots, gloves. I'm, I'm with Grant jeans. Sometimes I wear jeans. Uh, it's good, reasonably good um, Kevlar style jeans out there now. Um, jacket, yeah, I, I always wear a jacket. I'm not so enamoured. I find knee protections and things like that really get in the way. Um, I know you should wear them, but uh, to me, it's something that I don't like wearing. But definitely gloves. I've been over the, the top of a car at over 100 kilometres an hour in racing leathers, helmet, boots and gloves. And I wore the gloves out when I hit the road, skating down on my hands. I wore the gloves down to the inner liners. The, um, the knee protections on the racing leathers, all the leather was worn down. And I had a slight nick on my knee and that was it. So if you're wearing good gear, and I rolled off the road, uh, luckily, but that's um, that's the way it is sometimes. And to me, that's that's the minimum: boots, yeah. gloves, helmet, jacket. Surely, same thing. Yeah, always wear jacket. Um, always wear gloves. I feel a bit nervous in jeans, so I prefer to wear my riding pants. And I've got new riding pants that have got good um, ventilation ventilation yes. in them. So if it's hot, I can open the zips and get some air through. I don't go for all those neck braces and things and just, just the bike jacket has um, armour in the back and yep. in the shoulders and the elbows. So you've got to be comfortable as well. Don't want to look like the Michelin woman all the time. Mm. Like too many things, it's all about balance, what works and what works most yeah, of the exactly. time. Well, with exactly. neck braces, there's, there's a hey, lot of... riding a motorcycle, it's dangerous, right? <laughs> it's a fact of life. No so doubt. There's a certain yeah. amount of danger you have to accept. And it's not like we're racing at 300 kilometres an hour like the MotoG people who, MotoG people. Yeah, the air vests, air air jackets and all that sort of stuff, no. Between us, we've got hundreds of thousands of miles of experience and more years than we care to admit. But also, let's think back to when we were young and stupid. And I'm just, we're listening here, sitting here listening. I'm thinking, when I lived in Denver... And we used to go up to Sturgis, which involved going through Wyoming, Nebraska, into South Dakota. There were no helmet laws but in any of those states. And we used to go up riding jeans, no lids, shades, fingerless gloves on our tail Harleys with <laughs> drum brakes. And we had none of the gear, none of the time. But, man, did we have a lot of fun. And we, we lived to tell the tale. I know we're standing here, sitting here, preaching all the gear all the time, but... It was also fun not to. <laughs> yeah. Certainly yeah. when I when I first started riding pinion in Sydney, uh, down on the beaches on the northern suburb north north shore, we never wore helmets. And I used to get on the back in shorts and thongs and a singlet and no helmet and yeah, Graham, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> but I shudder at the thought of what would have happened if we'd come off. <laughs> yeah. There's entirely too many photos out there. <laughs> I don't think we'll ever go to the point of being a Nike, what we call Nike bikies here, those idiots that ride around, you know, in their muscle shirts, uh, showing off their um, testosterone-fueled um, bodies uh, in a pair of shorts and, uh, and um, sneakers. That's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. age comes wisdom. Yeah, <laughs> sadly, far too late. But go on to YouTube and and search on uh, Road Rash. Some of the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, videos. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. And yeah. I haven't seen that. Turn or something. I haven't seen that, and that's something I will not ever search. Don't. No, don't, you don't want to. Don't. Oh, I know all about Road Rash. I, I came off road racing at well over 100 miles an hour. 
um, in the days before really heavy knee padding and went through two layers of leather on the knees, through a few layers, quite a few layers of skin actually on both knees, wrists, elbows, one shoulder. Um, yeah, and I mean, just leather alone without the padding underneath it is just not enough. You know, mm. two, two good quality pairs of leather, layers of leather, gone instantly. Mm. So, yeah. Gra- Graham, what about you as far as all the gear? Um, some of the gear, most of the time. Uh, I, I, when, <laughs> I think, I, I, yeah, I'm getting older and more responsible. Jack Lucasen, the crazy Dutch guy, um, came down to motor camp this year. And when he went to leave on his R1 or his five blade, I don't know what he rides, um, he wears the whole next brace thing, puts it on as, as a matter of fact, as you put on gloves or put your key in the ignition. I mean, without a second thought. So we've all got our, our levels of, of what we would and wouldn't do. I mean, we've got this newish restaurant that's opened up the road. And on a Sunday morning, I go up there for a bacon and egg bat. And I just wear my leather jeans, my boots, gloves. So I, would, I haven't got knee protection. The leather jeans, I haven't got knee protection. It makes me feel vulnerable now. It's ridiculous when I used to ride in jeans that didn't even when the knees were already ripped out. And so, yeah. which is what you know goes back to what I was saying about how I how I was in the eighties, how irresponsible. So there's a level of responsibility now, and I, I used to have this beautiful satin black piss pot open face helmet that I used to wear on me Harley back in the eighties, and I used to joke about saying I only wear the full face when I know when I'm going to have an accident, and I totally <laughs> jinxed myself because then I, so one day I heard those words that I said echo in my head, and I haven't put the open face on since. And, and I had an accident in Mexico where the first thing that hit the ground was the front of my face. But I had a full face helmet on, so I kept the gorgeous good looks. But we have, you know, we, yeah, we sit here and preach all the gear all the time. But it's not necessarily as practical or as or as usable uh, to do as it is to say. And, and I mean, around the village and, and just around the, and it is a tiny village. I, I just I, in the summer I do just ride in shorts and shades, and and I, I and I don't know if my bit bike's got fourth gear because I've never taken it out a third. But it's it's horses for courses, isn't it? You know, you just have to try and you try and got to balance your fun with your responsibility, so and your youth with your, yourself too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all decisions we have to make. And balancing it. I'm actually looking at neck braces and going, hmm, you know, that's not a bad idea. So mm-hmm. things change and your ideas about what is adequate changes and your, I think your perception of risk and your concern about how much it's going to hurt when you land changes as you get older too. And as we get older, of course, we also get more brittle. So having more protection is a good thing as you get older, especially. So Graham yeah, might not be at GAT. Graham may <laughs> not that? be at GAT, but he's Sot Scott? Sot Sot? Sot Gasot. I guess. What are you saying? Do you want to edit that and do it again, Jim? Sot Gasot. What, what the fuck are you talking about? Some of the gear, some of the time. Sot Gasot. I mean, that would, that would be what you would be instead of I got a Sot Gasot. You were sitting there writing down uh, what they called. <laughs> Graham, you've got a teacher to make up with it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's Are we a bit off topic here or what? Yeah, we, we, we did. We wandered a little bit. But, um, Brian, we, we didn't hear what you wanted for Christmas. Oh, you don't want to. Oh, I've already written my letter to Santa. 
I already know what I want. As, you, as many of you know, we're shifting to the country. So I, we're shifting to an area where there's a lot of great little fire trails where the gold rush days were and all these little fire trails. I need, I really need a small, light, flexible little uh, trail bike. Mm-hmm. Santa, you're yep. listening. You need that. Uh, and, and also, <laughs> we're, we're about, a, we're about uh, an hour from town where I come into the city and there's a big, long freeway I can blast along. I need, I really need a big four-cylinder master blaster to come down the freeway, which I think <laughs> would be great. <laughs> so there's just two little things, just two little yeah. things. How about a K1600 GT? Would that suit you? <laughs> I, I'm thinking maybe the Bavaria Motor Works may be losing, be losing my custom. I'm thinking of something else, something <laughs> uh, a little bit more radical just for a change. Oh, but well, I the Italians. Know, <laughs> I listen to Shirley <laughs> in the background. <laughs> You're a total motorhead, Brian. That's really funny. A mate of mine in Colorado, he just bought himself a bike off of Craigslist, a little flexible trials bike, like you said, off-road bike. And all he did was sent a picture of it, and the subject was, I bought one, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, just you wait, Graham, just you wait, mate. I know there's some great fire trails around here in Bulgaria. You wait until you see what I'm going to get. But uh, <laughs> if, if Santa's good to me. And then, of course, <laughs> my son has just blown up his VTR 1000, so um, we've got to look for a new engine. So I'm sick and tired of scrummaging around on the ground. I need a bike lift. I need something to get off the ground with. So um, so I can fix up the VTR and maybe take that for a scratch. I just uh, wish we had um, video Skype for this because I am holding my head in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> All I wanted was a couple of books to while away, a few hours of a summer's afternoon by the pool, not two bloody motorbikes and a bike lift. <laughs> and a jacket. I need a jacket. Oh, well, a jacket's worn out. out. <laughs> Brian, you're making me feel loads more comfortable now. My my three um, requests, they're, they're balanced now. <laughs> Can I say, Sam, you've probably got as much chance of getting your Christmas wish list as Brian has getting his. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, look, uh, seriously, uh, it, it's uh, it's a wonderful time of year and it's a great time to be around. And I do hope I get a few little things in from Santa. Yeah, oh, I, I impulsively the other night thought I heard this Italian voice outside the window, and I'm pretty sure I heard something calling in Italian, it's cold in the shed, let me inside. <laughs> so now the Ducati is in the hallway, and I've realised oh, I've got room in the shed perfect. for a bike. <laughs> <laughs> so if the Ducati's in the, in the hallway, where are the cats? Are they by the fire? Well, one's on my lap. I'm not sure where the other one is, as long as he's not sharpening his claws on the seat cover. That's <laughs> cutting a little group so I don't get erectile dysfunction. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the cat's thinking of you all the time. Our cat used to love my seat on my motorcycle. Oh, our cat loved the sheepskin. sheepskin. She used to get yeah. up and curl up on the sheepskin when it was cold outside and she was in the garage. Mm-hmm. A, a white cat on a black sheepskin would come out and say, that bloody cat's been on the bike again. <laughs> <laughs> some news. Sure, what's the show? I have news, news I want to throw in. Go ahead, Shirley. Show me the news, sure. No, okay, my news. Um, we love Central Asia, one of the nicest parts of the world that we visited, and getting the visas was such a pain in the neck. And there's just been an announcement from the new president of Uzbekistan, who's replaced the dictator of, of 25 years, 
that he's loosening up the um, tourist visas and for Australians, Canadians, British and numerous other countries, you can get to the border with a current passport and 50 bucks and you're in for 30 days. Nice. No going wow. to no going to um, embassies or consulates and filling out millions of forms and paying an extraordinary amount of money. So but that is now nice. Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and now Uzbekistan as well. Yep. yep. Nice. Making a huge difference to that part, traveling in that part of the world. For some citizens, though, the new visa-free um, policy only applies if you are over fifty-five. And uh, that includes the citizens of Belgium, Indonesia, China, Malaysia, the US, France, Vietnam, and uh, a few others, Poland, Hungary, Portugal. Um, so that's interesting that some of the they only want old Americans, which Sounds I wonder why they're doing that. random for the country selection too. It yeah, does, it does. It? But, for, but for people like us, we can get in by just paying 50 bucks at the border. So well done to the new president of Uzbekistan. Yeah, nice one. That's very good news. It is. So that only leaves Tajikistan and uh, what's the really tricky one? Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan, Turkmenistan. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's getting there. And it is a stunning part of the world as well. Oh, it's just extraordinary. Absolutely beautiful. Hot, but beautiful. Oh yeah! Shirley, Shirley, you've just used one of my favourite words, extraordinary. Isn't that just such a fab word for for overlanding? Yeah, it is. It is. It's extraordinary, Sam. (laughs) That's the one. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone else with news? Anyone else with something that uh, that we should throw in here? Ooh. Okay, I've got a plug. <laughs> well, that's where, that's, that's where we're going to gonna move on to next. Shirley, you go right ahead. Um, the uh, Adventure Travel Film Festival. A lot of um, the listeners in the UK will have been to the Adventure Travel Film Festival there, and I think there were, it was held in England and Scotland this year. We get those films down under in February in Bright. Um, the weekend of the 10th and 11th of February. So if you want to see some great movies, including Austin Vince's Mondo Enduro, which I think is hilarious, um, the Adventure Travel Film Festival in Bright. Great for meeting other travellers. A lot of travellers come along to see the films and there's lots of speakers who you can chat to as well. And uh, the headquarters for the film festival is right next door to the Bright Brewery, which does extraordinarily good beer. Extraordinarily is a twist on extraordinary, Sam, and uh, good pizzas. So there you go. Adventure Travel Film Festival in February. Book your tickets now. Cool. I've been to That's the one it. in the I'm UK done. several times. I've been to the one in the UK several times, and it's always brilliant atmosphere. And the selection of films that they have, um, just fantastic. A complete range of everything to do with overlanding and some of the yeah. stuff you just think, good grief, people did that? What an awesome idea. Why didn't I think of that? Yeah, There's yeah, one this year about some Englishmen who came to uh, Overland in a bus and they've called themselves the Pillicks. Yeah. So I think we've got to go and see that film for starters. Uh, and there's yeah. people who do stuff on paddle boards and bicycles and donkeys and motorcycles and four-wheel drive vehicles and everything yep. Overland and it's good fun. Yep. What about you, Brian? You got a plug? No, no, I'm leaving it right up to the boss. That's because he's got to grease up to me now just in case Santa was listening to his ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> Sam, what do you have for a plug? 
Oh, well, I'm going to be really selfish and just plug something from me. Um, do you remember last time um, we were talking about um, my audiobook um, CDs and how it was a mm-hmm. real scurry round to, to get them organized in time for um, the Motorcycle Live show? Yeah. And we did just, they arrived three days before the show started. I can't tell you how nervous I was because I hadn't even seen what the cases were like for them or anything. And <laughs> it was a real shock. I sat down to play them. And you know to test run them, and they didn't work. And I was thinking, oh, no, no, this is a disaster. No. Three days before, and they don't work. Yeah, well, that's only because I'm a cheapskate, and I've got loads of really ancient equipment that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I sweated for a couple of hours before I made the call. And uh, yeah, well, get the proper gear, and, and they're absolutely fine. So, um, warning to anybody who's thinking about buying my MP3 CDs. Um, if your C- CD player is more than three years old, uh, five years old, then they won't work. They have to be MP3 compatible. But the reason so that we on your were Christmas MP3- list is a new CD player as well. Mm. No, 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 no. No, I'm quite happy. Or, or contact me through my website and I'll burn you a copy. <laughs> Consider yourself clipped around the back of the head, Graham. <laughs> Moving on rapidly from that, I was really surprised at how well they went at Motorcycle Live. I was really, really pleased with it. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's just a, a really nice addition. Um, and at this time of year, well, of course, it's Christmas, isn't it? So, And one of the reasons that we went with MP3, by the way, was because if we'd done them um, in WAV or something like that, we would have ended up with um, a stack of CDs. Um, yeah. For the Distant <laughs> Sons audio book, um, I would have had to have seven CDs. Oh, wow. Because no. the, the book's um, 13 hours um, long, and it's not abridged at all. Um, none of them are. Um, and I was really keen that they weren't going to be a bridge. So, um, but the MP3, everybody works. That works fine. And you know, I didn't have one single customer um, at Motorcycle Life who was a cheapskate like what I am. Um, they all, oh, MP3, yeah, sure, not a problem. So I was happy. Wow, good. That's good. We've oh, listened yeah. to one of them and enjoyed it enormously. And um, I also want to thank you, Sam, because we got an email from someone who bought Circle to Circle after talking to you at. Um, at Moto Live and was inquiring as to where he could get the rest of our books. So, thank Fantastic. You. Oh, good. No, that was really nice. I sold out of your books, um, I think, about three days before the end of the show, which was um, oh, a shame. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no. Well, make sure that really, doesn't happen next year. It was really nice having it on. And, you know, one of the things that um, um, helped sell your books was because I was saying to people, you've heard of Brian and Shirley on Adventure Rider Radio Raw, haven't you? Yeah. Well, this is their book. Really? Oh, well, I'll take one of those then. So there oh, you go. fantastic. Yeah, we had a lot of people at the Melbourne Motorcycle Expo come up and say they'd been listening to Raw and they loved um, the roundtable conversation and they wanted to know how long we've all been friends and how much time we spend together. I think this is our yeah, first that's birthday, right. isn't it? <laughs> In fact, we've never clapped eyes on each other. <laughs> I think I'm the only one that hasn't met everybody. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably, yeah, I'm probably right. sure I am. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to remedy that. Yes, yeah. indeed. Jim's going to pay for a flight for all of us to come and do a roundtable. Yeah, there's there's something out. wrong with the microphone in my my headphones. <laughs> I'm hearing no, bizarre on stuff. On camera, in the same room, around a table. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> that, that would be awesome. The magic of the internet is whiskey. amazing. 
Well, uh, the whiskey is open. Party, party. We need here. to do it after five uh, with a bottle of whiskey. Oh yeah. <laughs> Graham, what do you got for a plug? Okay, well, it's a little plug. Um, if if anybody listens to the a Rancher Rider Radio, the the good one, not this one, um, last week or the week before, I got to tell a little story about what happened when I was in Iraq, uh, which is told in the Eureka book. And the reason I'm telling this is because when Eureka came out, when it was published, when it came from the printers, um, I wouldn't say, obviously, I couldn't say that the printer completely ripped me off. But what I would say is it was a significantly more uh, quality book and expensive book than I was expecting it to be. So it has spot UV. If you don't know what that is, it's like a 3D tactile shiny thing on the cover. It has 80 grams per square meter, super nice pages, creamy colors, and nice big font and beautiful quality photographs. It's a really nice book, which cost me significantly more per book than I expected it to. And they're nearly all gone. I think there's about 30 of them left. When I get them reprinted, they are not going to be as good quality. The picture on the front is still going to be fab. It's probably not going to have spot UV. The photos will probably be set better, and it will still be an off-white page. But these first edition copies are nearly all gone, and they are really nice. So if – did I just say nice? They're better than nice. They are extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. Extraordinary. Yeah. <laughs> nice and, word. Uh, thank you. I nicked it from someone. I can't remember who. And uh, anyway, they, um, there's just about 30 of them left. And uh, so if you want to contact me, I'll contact Mother in Dispatch, and you can get yourself one of the first editions. After that, I have to say, for the, just out of pure economics, the next the reprint is not going to be as fine, but it is going to make mean that I can put food on the table instead of wonderful books on people's shelves. So thirty left if you want to uh, if you want to get one if you haven't got one yet. Um, it's just it's not really a plug. It's just a bit of uh, advice, really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gather sound it's beautiful. I gather the way Shirley said that she just got the box set. The term Brian got your box set. That you still are selling the pen your box set. Actually, I just had dispatch do a stock take. <laughs> <laughs> Mom, there's not many of them left <laughs> either. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're lucky to have got one of the last ones, and very impressive. You are, and, and I'm re- thank you for buying it, and and thank you for putting it on Facebook as well. It all helps, and uh, yeah, and no actually, I don't. I'm a I'm a member of a lot of different groups on Facebook, which I really don't contribute an awful lot to. And then this time of year, I do find myself sort of plugging away. Uh, just sort of mentioning what fools they'd be not to buy my books. And uh, and the response was amazing. And the, you know what, what was best, apart from the sales, was all these different groups that I don't, as I say, contribute a lot to. And there I am, basically flogging my shit. And I didn't get not one, not one negative response, not one naysayer, not one nasty person saying, oh, here he is selling his stuff, which I think is a, a real – the group of people – us overlanders, adventure bikers, motorcyclists as a whole, whatever you want to call us, however you want to pigeonhole us, what a wonderful bunch of people we are that 
the second somebody posts something, there's not this instant need to cut someone down as there are in so many groups. And I think yeah, that's, that's a, a real right. accolade to motorcyclists in general. So well done, motorcyclists. Graham, yep. I, c- yep. I yep. couldn't agree more with you. What you've just said is absolutely awesome. And I've been thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, well done, all of you. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for reading our books and buying our stuff. And, uh, and, and just thank you for not being naysaying negative mother you know yep. thank you for being yep. good people there goes the I'll explicit tag <laughs> yeah. you may have yeah. to bleep that <laughs> Grant what do you have for a plug well I've got several things of course to talk about uh, we've got so much going on here it's just crazy the photo contest is ending in end of January and for those of you who don't know about the photo contest just send us your best photograph or adventure travel um, go to horizonsunlimited.com slash contest and you could win yourself a Touratech Compañero World Suit or a Touratech uh, Adventura Mod, which is Ooh. the helmet that I'm now wearing and love. And These are some big gifts. Too. So they're both great. Yeah, it's a great first prize and second prizes, prize. Brother. And you also get your photo into the calendar, of course, which we're running low on in some parts of the world. But if you want a calendar, you can get them through Amazon or through us. Come to our website, and we've got lots of calendars. I shouldn't say lots of calendars. We've got a reasonable number of calendars left. And according to what we were just talking about, there's still time to get them to you. Um, we actually have shipping directly from us, from within Australia, within the UK, USA, and Canada. So anybody in those countries, not a problem. Now, does, does your mom do that as well? No, she doesn't. <laughs> no. no, she used to do a lot. You'd That's be amazed odd. what she used to do. She was scanning all my photographs. She scanned ten thousand photographs for me. Only a mom for almost ten years, but she did it. Only a mom so, would do that. That's my worst nightmare. That's my mom right. scanning my photos. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. My mom's going to be here in a week for Christmas, and she her job when she comes here every Christmas is to put into the electronic calendar all the stuff we have scheduled for the year, all the events and all the things that need to be done leading up to them and all that. That's what she does. Oh, and she really wants good. to do it. She asks for something to do. Wow. wow. So that's her regular job now. <laughs> so lots to do. But anyway, I was going to talk about um, the Achievable Dream DVD set. We still have lots of them left. They're out fantastic Christmas presents, and people are buying them at a great rate. The sales are going very well. But of course, if you want to give somebody out there some incentive or some inspiration to get out and travel, the achievable dream, how to ride around the world is certainly a great way to do it. There's seven discs, 18 hours of video that just goes and goes and goes with everything you could ever want to know. Yeah, well, What's so in it? What, you're saying seven discs. What is it? Total of seven DVDs on how to, everything you could ever want to know about riding around the world and things you want to know and things you didn't know you needed to know. It's all in there. Come to uh, horizonsunlimited.com slash DVD and find out about that. Yeah, I'm, I know I know because I have them, yeah. a couple of them. They're, they're really well done. And you, the nice thing is that you went to, to all different travelers and asked them their opinions on things. So it's really neat to watch and get all the different yeah. opinions from, from different people. Yeah, we had 150 different travelers from a number of different countries. We've got more accents in there than I can count. So it's a lot of people's different opinions. And and that's one of the things we really like about it is that we can have one guy saying all the gear all the time. And the next person that comes along says coveralls. That's all you need is coveralls. Most of us know who that is. Um, so we, pre- we don't mind presenting different opinions, different ideas and different ways of looking at it. And in the end, you kind of – what we're trying to do really, I think, with the series always has been 
to educate you, to get you to understand and to hear the different opinions and different ideas, and then know enough to be able to pick what's going to work for you. And that's, I think, is the most important thing is, is education and understanding and being able to make your own best decision. So that was a really critical thing for us when we did the DVD series. So that's out there. Um, we will have that available for download in the spring. It's in progress right now. Oh, nice. So that's coming. Um, so we got the photo contest and, oh, of course, all our events. We've got 24 events this year happening all over the world. We're on every continent. We're looking at new events in Indonesia, Malaysia, and potentially Russia this year for next year, as well as all of our usual events. Hub UK, of course, for those in the UK. And we've got two events in Canada. There's three in the US. We've got two in Germany. There's one in France. And I don't know where else. I'm losing track. It's getting to be too many to even keep track of. But uh, there's lots going on. So come to the website and have a look at the events page. There's, a, there's an event somewhere near you that'll get you inspired to get out there and go somewhere and do something special. Make, a, make something exciting. Well, very nice. And I guess um, now we're, we're almost what, a couple of hours, I guess, into this. I, I think we're going to wrap it up now, aren't we? Uh, now, we, we've lost just a, just a point here. We've lost the Rixes. They, they can accept the, uh, the, I guess, joining in. Is this old? Is this new? But yeah, you, that's new. Yeah, she, yeah but, but we can't hear them. And we know we can't hear them because we can't hear them. We can't hear them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, what you're trying to say is that we could actually say anything we'd like about Brian and Shirley and they can't retaliate. Yeah. That's that's yeah. terrible, Jim. That's, How could you say that? But, 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 but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's going to wrap it up then for December 2016, our one-year anniversary or birthday or whatever you want to call it. Oh, I did have something to say. <laughs> I had a little thing to say. Okay, go could for I, it. Could I, could I just say a little thing? Because it's Christmas, because it's our one-year anniversary, um, I am astounded at the amount of people who say they listen to this, who come up to me at shows, who send me emails, Facebook messages, whatever. I just want to thank everybody for listening to it. I can't imagine why you would, but I'm really <laughs> pleased that you do. And... Uh, Thank you, each and every one of you. It means a great deal to me personally that you would want to hear what I want to say, or maybe you just want to hear what the others want to say and just wish I'd shut up. But thank you for listening. Yeah, nicely said, Graham. Yep. Although here, most here. of the comments I get about you was that, how does Jim let you get away with swearing so much? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm amazed. I get to places like South Africa and, you know, I think South Africa, that's the other end of the world, but there's people there listening to us and they're having a good time and enjoying it. They think it's great. So we get people signing up for events and I say, how did you hear about us? Is one of the questions we ask and they say, Adventure Rider Radio. Cool. Good on you. So there's people out there listening. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Fantastic. I guess that about a third of the people that talk to me at Motorcycle Live listen to Adventure Rider Radio and that's pretty huge statistic. That's a huge statistic. Yeah. Yeah. So really, we're really very nice. grateful to everybody out there that listens. It's, I think it's, uh, it's not when we first mooted this whole idea, everybody, all of us kind of went, hmm, is this going to fly or not? Well, yeah. I think it has flown and we're very pleased. It's yeah. great. Nice nice one for bringing that up, Graham. Nice <laughs> yeah, one and thanks, Jim. If it weren't for Jim, if it weren't for Jim, we'd all be... Um, I, think we, I think we all have an equal and, part in this. 
And Elizabeth working away quietly. Of course, in production. The unsung hero. And Graham's mom. I mean, I have to admit, I'm I'm so impressed with the amount of work that she does. um, Just for... Yeah, stop sucking (laughs) man. Get off. (laughs) (laughs) How can I not have to bleep that? (laughs) Like, I mean, I know we can put put anything. I'm leaving it. That's it. It's staying. That's going to stay there. People are going to take that clip and put it on the internet. Yeah. Wait, this is going to be on the internet. But it's not going to be yes, visual. Yes. <laughs> no, they're going to make their own pictures to add on to that. Well, that about wraps it up. Where is the after show party tonight? Today? This morning? This afternoon? Oh, I'm going to bed. It's not my house. It's at your house? No, I'm going to bed. Don't come here. <laughs> <laughs> But we can uh, really party when you're asleep. <laughs> there you go. Just so keep noise down. Definitely <laughs> after show parties in Bulgaria at Graham's house because he's going to be asleep and it just doesn't matter. You yes. know, I've been sitting, as I've been sitting, I've been watching the thermometer. It's now dropped to minus 10.3. It is now 105 tomorrow, <laughs> whatever day it is, Wednesday. So as we've, as we've progressed through this show, the day has changed. The temperature has plummeted. And so is my ability to talk. <laughs> yeah, Graham, just... That'll never happen. You, you're living with it, and I'm going to sing you a song now, just to be in keeping. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. You complete that bit out, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> well done, Sam. <laughs> Well, that wraps up another ARR Raw or Adventure Rider Radio Raw. Remember, you can drop by the website, www.adventureriderradio.com. You can listen to all the episodes for free, as well as Adventure Rider Radio. The two shows, ARR Raw and Adventure Rider Radio, are both separate, so you need to subscribe to them both. They're not going to cost you any money to subscribe, but you have to subscribe separately to make sure you get the feed for each. ARR Raw, the show you're listening to, it comes out once a month, so you're getting 12 of them in a year. And we just finished our 12th, which is really neat, really uh, a cool milestone for us. My name's Jim Martin, and hey, if you're into it, you want to donate, help the show out, you can drop by the website, www.adventureriderradio.com and click on the donate button. Anything $10 or more is going to get you a sticker back at you, and as you heard at the start of the show, anything over $50, we're going to give you a shout out on this very show, ARR Raw. See you next month. 